This is the Church Planting Podcast, brought to you by the Broadcast Network. Broadcast exists to support, train and encourage church planters. For more information about who we are or about the training that we offer, please visit our website at www.thebroadcastnetwork.org. Hello and welcome to episode 51 of the Broadcast Church Planting Podcast. Last week we rounded off our multiplication month with a hangout with Steve Addison where he was talking about how to multiply churches and disciples and in this episode of the podcast we're bringing you the recording of that hangout. You can find full notes on this episode at www.thebroadcastnetwork.org slash episode 51. So here is our hangout with Steve Addison. Yeah, so there's a lot going on and a lot of people interested in multiplying churches and in multiplying mm-hmm. movements and in multiplying converts and disciples. And so this evening, that's what we're going to be concentrating on. And so what I want to do, Steve, is to kind of go from the big picture and then drill it down to getting, seeing people saved, seeing people discipled. But first of all, kind of let's look at a, a worldwide perspective. And uh, can you just give us um, one, uh, maybe uh, one or two illustrations of church planting movements around the world and uh, a little bit about them, just for a couple of minutes? Sure. Well, um, I think my mind goes to uh, northern India, Nepal, where we have some good, good friends in that part of the world that uh, I, I visited just a couple of years ago doing research on the latest book. And the exciting thing is to discover that there's a real partnership there. You know, there's some Westerners there, um, but they're not driving and controlling things. They've been catalysts and trainers, and ordinary people are taking the gospel uh, into their world, into the villages, into the communities. Uh, They're sharing the gospel. They're being equipped um, to not only bring people to Christ, but help them grow through Discovery Bible Study and discipleship and gather people together in groups that can discover and, and through the Scriptures what it means to be the people of God together, what it is to form church. And that those churches, rather than some centralised mission agency or denomination, they take on the primary responsibility to take the gospel into new areas and and to make disciples and plant churches. So there's still a role for the mission agency or the, you know, those with official positions of leadership, but it's in fuel, sparking and fueling a multiplication movement. So what's what's happening in the foothills of the Himalayas or in the Himalayas has been happening for now a couple of generations in in nations like uh, China or, um, you know, is is going on right now throughout Africa. Um, This sort of grassroots, you know, grassroots up multiplying movement that's resulting in not just disciples but groups of people deciding to follow Jesus together and those groups forming into churches and then reproducing. That's that's what a church planning movement looks like. Okay. Um, in terms of um, uh, 
some of the core similarities that when you when you've travelled around, when you've been involved in church planting movements, are there certain things around the world that you see as common factors? Mm. Yeah, well, definitely, um, and they're themes that just you know keep coming up. No surprises either. Um, there's there's a white hot faith. Um, people have a, a strong sense of the direct encounter with God and His life changing power, uh, and and out of that comes a sense of authority and legitimacy that empowers the ordinary believer to take action. They don't have to sit around waiting for instructions or orders from someone. It's very much, I mean, the greatest uh, multiplication movement of the 20th century, even of, in human history, is the birth of um, what we call the, the Pentecostal charismatic movement and related movements. Because, I mean, some of these places, they don't know what a Pentecostal charismatic is. They just read the Bible and do it. But, um, you know, that that sort of rise of the, the what we call the Christianity in the global south um, is a movement of half a billion people. Um, and, uh, you know, it, it's very much come out of a passionate faith. Um, and, and so that, that leads to energy and legitimacy in what they're doing. Um, the other thing is, is high commitment to, to the cause. And at the heart, what I'm learning is that that cause is the heart of the gospel. You know, Jesus died for, for our sin. He rose again to bring new life. And through him, we have forgiveness and a relationship with God that lasts forever. And there's a very, unlike in the West, where we're a little bit embarrassed by that and the, the crosses, I mean, I've read guys like this, oh, no, this is too violent for us. We, we don't like this idea. And we've broadened our concept of mission to just include everything. Um, but in multiplying movements, there's a real clarity about here's our cause and we're committed to it and we'll make sacrifices for it. Um, then, then there's a pattern of what we call rapid mobilization. So, you know, I'm, I'm thinking of a lady that one of our workers has trained in, in, in northern India and she's four foot tall. Her name's Rita. She prays and fasts and she goes into a village with her husband and they cast out demons, they pray for the sick, they share the gospel, and they plant churches. Um, you know, it's ordinary people that, um, you know, some of us have got all the higher education. We're not as good at doing that as the most common believer, like her and her husband. So, that, But there is a place for those who have those higher-level teaching gifts and all of that. Um, but we're rapidly mobilizing ordinary people. You know, there's a 10-year-old in a primary school, uh, elementary school for Americans, um, who's been doing discovery Bible study with her fellow students and making disciples at school since she was eight. Cool. So movements just, whether it's a grandma or a primary school student, you know, there's a confidence that God can work through it. And then there's... Um, uh, contagious relationships. And so these movements aren't just typically, there might be mass meetings, but people are there because someone's brought them. 
And the gospel is spreading through network, pre-existing networks of relationships. And, you know, it's this whole find the person of peace in the community idea that Jesus had in Luke 10 or Peter with Cornelius. There's a whole room of people who treat Cornelius with respect. And when Peter speaks, they respond. Well, the Holy Spirit's there. Peter's an apostle. But Cornelius has got them in the room. Uh, so movement spread through those contagious relationships. And the last thing is adaptive methods, simple but powerful methods. Um, you know, Discovery Bible Study is a great example of that. You have the living, powerful Word of God, a few people, some simple questions to help people learn and obey what the Word says, and that's the building block of a movement. You know, it's an excellent example of an adaptive method. And you strip away all those other programs and methods that are not geared towards discipleship, multiplication, church church multiplication as well. So there's five things we just saw all around the world and throughout history and in the scriptures. Okay. Is there any other, before we kind of come and hone it a little bit into um, the West, um, any other uh, around the world illustrations of um, movements? Okay. Um, well, I don't think this is sort of top secret now, but there, there are literally uh, millions of believers now in uh, Southeast Asia and Indonesia. Um, this is the world's largest by population Muslim country. Uh, there are multiplying movements now throughout Indonesia. Um, there are underground in Iran and around the world, wherever Iranians, you know, pop up because they're, they're a, a global people now because of, you know, refugees and, and the like. Everywhere Iranians are coming to Christ. Uh, there's other countries, Muslim countries in, I'll just say, South Asia, uh, where, you know, we're talking tens of thousands of people. You know, David Garrison has documented this. You know, in our lifetime, um, more Muslims have come to faith and there are more movements than in all of the last 1,400 years put together. Right, that's you know, it's really the, the West that is lagging behind what God is doing um, in, in many of these very hard fields. Uh, we live in incredible days. And so it's almost like where do you want to start when you're talking about multiplying movements? Okay. So let's talk a little bit about the West in terms mm -hmm. of you're an Australian, you're now living in yeah. the United Kingdom, um, uh, Leicester in the United Kingdom. And, yeah. uh, Leicester is the so, heart of England, geographically. So we're right there. And, and of course, the greatest sporting, uh, the reigning champions for the Premier League, but we won't get into all of that. Okay, we won't. <laughs> um, but uh, uh, So let's just um, talk a little bit about your observations first before the kind of, when I say a solution or some... Yeah. Uh, some, and what, what's your observations of 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 what is one of the reasons, or some of the reasons that we we haven't got a lot of multiply movements, and you know the way you've described it is everywhere, but yeah, the kind of 
um, yes. European, uh, United yes. States area, for instance. Yeah, well, and, and as an Australian, I, I feel very at home in, in, in Britain or in Europe because, uh, and probably I'd, I'd include Canada there and New Zealand, deeply secular. You know, Australia was uh, founded as, uh, there's no sort of tie between church and state in Australia. We're, we're a secular nation. But also, like the Europeans, you know, deeply, the, at least the intelligentsia uh, are deeply uh, cynical about faith and, and the Christian faith in particular. So you, you feel that when you come here. Um, I think at the same time, the church has picked up some of that. And, uh, you know, Christian leaders are, are in many ways mirroring the culture. Uh, there, there isn't a confidence in the gospel or an expectation that God can work here. You know, he can work in other places. But um, so in that sense, I feel at home. And I think you could probably say parts of the U.S., uh, you know, New York, there are pockets in the, that are very European. Um, you know, if you, you go the northeast of the U.S. or, uh, you know, other parts, but, you know, it's amazing to be down in Houston and, and they're having a fight there a year ago because the, I don't know, the lesbian um, governor of Houston wants uh, pastors to submit their sermons for approval or something. So even the South in America is, is not the South anymore. Um, so it is hard. And I think one, one is the culture has gone that way. We've had the Christian faith and we've, you know, the cultural elites have decided we don't want this anymore, the educational system, so on. The other is the cynicism in the church itself. Um, we're not confident. And I don't think the States is as bad as Europe and Australia and Britain. But deep down we've lost our confidence in the gospel. Um, and, and there's a sense of, you know, we're, we're under this pressure and it'll happen everywhere else but it can't happen here. So we stay there, we're never going to get anywhere. And that's when we've got to put aside all of our sociology, all of our contextualization, and just get back to the word of God. What does it say? What did Jesus do? Was it all that easy for Jesus? Really? Was it easy? for He goes home, they're going to kill him, <laughs> you know, there in Nazareth. That's, that's the place they, you know. So was it easy for Paul? I don't know. But... One thing that doesn't change is the truthfulness and the power of, of the Word of God. And when I say that, people have this idea of maybe a black Bible or, you know, some conservative preacher on a Sunday morning and, and this is the gospel, the Word of God. I get back to Jesus, I get back to the book of Acts, and the Word is this living force that goes out, it's the apostles are trying to catch up to what the word's doing through ordinary people, and it's transforming lives. And and the fruit of that, the byproduct, of the disciples and churches, it happens. And so we're going to allow our view of reality to be shaped by, you know, our the current sociology and current experience, or the living word of God. So I think that's another, another reason why, why we find it so hard. Probably the third reason is sociological. Uh, networks of relationships, uh, you know, bonds of kinship are just are broken down in the modern and postmodern world. 
And so we're, we're actually trying to win individuals uh, when movements rely on those networks of relationships to, to grow exponentially. Um, so there are some sociological factors that make it hard. Um, but I don't think we should just sit around contemplating those. I think we get back into God's word, the example of Jesus. What does he continue to do in the book of Acts and, and through his disciples? And uh, we just defy reality. So having talked to you on a number of occasions, um, you um, do a lot of training and, and equipping churches and individuals to get back to the gospel and to get back to some of these things that you see are key that we're probably missing out um, on. And so it would just be quite good for you just to explain um, some of the things that you do that uh, really help equip and um, bring into reality some of the yeah. things you've just said, okay? Sure. And... Unfortunately, whenever I explain this, and I understand why, everybody is going to think um, Steve's talking about doing evangelism uh, when Jesus has given us a great commission that's all about um, making disciples who are learning to obey him uh, and who are being formed into communities that are reproducing. And yet it's it does start with... Um, Let's, let's go find people who are far from God. You know, uh, it, it starts with um, the confidence that God is already at work in community. So even if it's a thousand times harder right now than it happens to be in India, let's say, okay, we work a thousand times hard, harder, but we will find people that God has been, because it is a miracle when someone believes. So why don't we just step outside of the church building or the missional conference or the webinar, <laughs> you know, uh, not till we're finished, that is, um, and, and go find someone. Go ask someone. Um, you know, I, I, I haven't met you before, but I, I just wondered, could, is there anything I could pray for you? This is what Jesus said. Just go and wander into a community and offer to pray for people who are in there. And then... Raise, raise questions with them. So at the moment in your life, are you near or far from God? Would you like to be nearer? And you listen to them. You ask that question. Do you want to be nearer? Someone says no. Jesus says go find another neighborhood. If they say yes, then do we know and do our people know what to say next, how to, how to share the good news and call for commitment? Or, and what to do if someone wants to know more or someone wants to start following Jesus. So we just train in simple reproducing methods that just, we just ask, how did Jesus do this and how could we do this today? Uh, whenever anyone breaks out of this mind think that it's, it's too hard for God, you know, I've, I've heard experts tell me, oh, there'll never be multiplying movements in the West. You know, they've just decided from reading history and social trends, and I think, you know, is it really up to just the social trends? You know, isn't, didn't Jesus rise from the dead? You know, so you go out and do something, and it means 
being face-to-face with people, uh, whether it's visiting them in their home or in their cafe or on this, wherever they are, you go to where they are. That's what Jesus says. Don't just try and bring them into the safety of your building or your group or your home. Go into their home. You know, I'm, I'm interviewing a guy the other day, and he's come with these two, well, one was burly, you know. Um, he looked like um, a, a Maori from uh, the South Pacific, this huge guy. He was Hispanic. So Garrett's brought Pete along because he's trained Pete to be a leader of reach teams. Um, a year ago, Pete was drunk and addicted to alcohol and drugs when he met Garrett. A year later, he's been he's sober, he's led his family to Christ, he's doing Discovery Bible in their home, he's out in the community making disciples and forming new churches. So even if it's not yet a massively multiplying movement, I go towards the Pete stories. And we don't hear enough Pete stories from the people who write the books or speak at the conferences. Okay, Have we got fresh stories of what God's doing in the harvest? Because Pete might be an exception. Then let's learn from the exception and believe that God can do more exceptions. So I'm probably should give you a chance to ask another question, or I'll I'll just keep going on <coughs> this. No, I think, no. I, what you said is is excellent. I don't want to stop you. So so basically, what you said is. We need to get everybody out as, or as many church people out mobilised to be able to ask simple questions to find new people. Is that what I'm hearing you say? Just, just look for the, the person who welcomes a message, the messenger, and through whom the mission now will spread. So some people think, oh, a person of peace, that's just my non-Christian friend. No, it's it's actually a God-prepared person in, in a uh, a, a, a relational world. Now, we ought to provide simple training to everybody who wants to learn it. And for a lot of people, you know, we've had grandparents, you know, grandfather lead his grandson to Christ and disciple him and baptize him and, you know, all of that. Now, he's not, a, he, he's probably, he may not be out visiting homes in the community. A lot of people will just, they already have their, their relational world, you know, and, and God will use them in those settings. But some people will be called uh, because Jesus is always sending out those, those teams of his workers into unreached communities. Um, and, uh, and, and so some of us need and a lot more than we realize. Um, and, and, uh, you know, I know anywhere in Britain, I've been here two years, okay, we've trained hundreds of people. I know anywhere in Britain, if you, you give me an hour, I'll find somebody who receives prayer upon a lot of people who want to be prayed for on the doorstep or on the street or at the university or in the cafe. I don't normally just follow up to people in cafes, but sometimes. Um, and I will find people who want to know more about the gospel. And maybe not in an hour, it might take me two or three hours, but sooner or later we'll find somebody who would like to meet again and read some stories about Jesus and, and 
We hope you enjoyed this episode of the podcast. Just a reminder, you can find the full notes on this episode at www.thebroadcastnetwork.org slash episode 51.